Last Thursday, anyone watching the interest rate announcement was left reeling as it rose higher than anyone expected. The Bank of England has just announced its latest change to interest rates. It's putting up the cost of borrowing by half of a percentage point, taking the base rate from 4.5% to 5%. There is shock uh, going around the City of London at this lunchtime. And there could be worse to come. It does look likely that interest rates are going to rise even beyond where they are right now. Markets are pointing towards interest rates getting up to 6%. 6%. For people across the country, it unleashed a world of pain. The housing market predicament, I call it predicament, like inferno, apocalypse. It is a disaster in the UK right now. Many of us who have homes, who have mortgages, have started to feel not like we're living in a home anymore, but we're like living in a ticking time bomb. The government has been trying to reassure people, starting with an emergency meeting between the Chancellor and mortgage lenders. And breaking news and a series of measures have been agreed with lenders aimed at supporting those struggling with their mortgage repayments followed by the Prime Minister telling the BBC that people need to stick to the cause and I want people to be reassured that we've got to hold our nerve, stick to the plan and we will get through this. But will we? As mortgage rates continue to rocket, is the country about to feel a lot poorer? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, will high interest rates cause a housing crash? Juliet Samuel. I'm a columnist for The Times, and I have been covering financial markets and economics on and off for the last 10 years. Juliet, last week on Friday, in quite an unusual move, we had the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, hauling in mortgage lenders for an urgent meeting. That doesn't happen often. What made him do it? The main reason that Hunt did that is to look like he's doing something, frankly, because we're all on this roller coaster at the moment of interest rates and inflation. We agreed some very important things for people who are worried about their rates going up, not just the people who are in, in an extreme situation. Monetary policy has suddenly become central to people's lives. Interest rates are now determining the monthly cash flows in a big way for many households and will be going up probably over the next few years quite consistently. So mainly the Chancellor wants to look like he's doing something, but he also wants to talk to the banks about how they are going to handle the pressure on all of the loans that they have made and the people who have taken out mortgages with them. Unfortunately, probably a lot of people are going to be falling behind on their mortgage payments. Some of them for people will be going up hundreds of pounds a month in a very quick and unaffordable way. And so the question is, what are the banks going to do about that? It is a terrifying leap for a lot of people. 
It's one of the fastest rises in borrowing costs probably ever in the modern era. And so we don't quite know how this is going to feed through and what people are going to do. Overall, households have still have quite a lot of savings built up from COVID. They're probably going to run through those savings and then have a lot of tough decisions to make. One of the things that Hunt was keen to talk to the banks about was what their policy is for when people fall behind on their mortgage payments. Now, it used to be a lot more straightforward but a lot harsher that after a certain number of missed payments you would go through a process and essentially then the bank repossesses your house and you're turfed out and all of those payments you've made essentially go for nothing. The rules have changed a lot in the last 10 years or since the last period when this was a big issue in the economy for millions of people. And so it's going to be a lot harder for banks to turf people out. It's also not necessarily in banks' interests to take a very harsh line because this is a structural problem. They can put as much pressure on people as they want, but a certain number of them just simply are not going to be able to pay. Probably what we will see is a fairly lenient policy, hopefully on borrowers, whereby there won't be a quick sort of looming repossession. The most significant thing is that they can pick up the phone to their bank or their mortgage lender and talk about their situation without any worry that it will impact their credit score. And if they decide to make their payments easier by extending the period of their mortgage or by um, going to an interest-only package, they can go back to their original package without any questions asked within six months. If you're Jeremy Hunt, you're faced with, on the one hand, trying to help people who are suddenly going to be really up against it. He is trying to encourage the banks not to chuck them out if they fail to meet payments. At the same time, if they take away all the risk of not paying your mortgage, you might face a banking crisis. I mean, how worried is the Chancellor? How worried is the government about mortgage rates right now? I was a few months ago speaking to senior advisors to the government and, you know, asking him about what the main issues were on his plate. And he said, what keeps me up at night is inflation. And I think probably what's now keeping them up at night is the knock-on effect of mortgage rates rising. I mean, a million and a half households just this year are coming off fixed deals. And the last time many of those people will have gone into the market to borrow money, rates will have been a quarter of what they are now. People have stretched themselves the maximum they could go because that seemed to be the rational thing to do. Now, when people have taken out mortgages, there are stress tests that are meant to check. Can they still afford this mortgage, for example, if interest rates were to go up 3%? But firstly, they've gone up more than that. Mm. And secondly, that's still not a pretty picture. So this is really the number one issue for the government and for a lot of households right now. The number one issue for the government, and it's... Really alarming for the state of the economy and all the things that the government will be judged on. Is it particularly bad for them just because, as the Tory party, a lot of their base are homeowners? Well, probably their main base are actually mortgage-free homeowners who tend to be older, wealthier. They bought their houses, you know, when interest rates were a lot higher, but actually the price of houses was much lower. And that's probably about a third of the population. Then you have about a fifth who don't own houses, who rent. And then you have the people in the middle who are mortgage holders who tend to be, you know, in their 30s or 40s. A lot of them are working parents. And essentially, these are swing voters for the Tories. They determine 
whether the Tories are elected or not. And it's hard to see them choosing to re-elect a Tory government that's already been in power for 13 years when they've just seen their mortgage payments go up by one, two, three hundred pounds a month. Take us back a step. How have we managed to get into this crisis? I mean, looking at last week's decision, the Bank of England put interest rates up by half a percent. It was much more than anybody expected, much more than economists had predicted. Why are they so high? Well, it depends slightly where you want to start the story. Some people would probably start with us moving off the gold standard, but I'm not going to go (laughs) back that far. But I do think it's helpful to have a longer view in the sense that interest rates broadly, with a a few blips aside, have been going down for about 40 years now, since the 80s. They've been on a steady march downward for, for a generation. Along with that, we've seen a massive expansion of borrowing. And a huge amount of that borrowing has gone into houses and has gone into mortgages. There are lots of reasons for that. I mean, one is that in some ways it's natural that an advanced economy with a lot of households who are aspirational and, you know, have income, they're not on the breadline. What do they want next? They want to buy a house. But there have also been a lot of financial policies that have encouraged us to buy a house. And so this is a bubble which is many, many years in the making. And one of the reasons why it made sense uh, was that more and more people were becoming homeowners. So if the value of homes went up, that made everyone feel richer. It made the country seem richer. It made people feel good. Then they spent more money. It made the balance sheet of the UK look better and better. And you're right, nobody's going to object when they feel that they're getting richer without really having to try every year their wealth is worth a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. There's not really been any political reason to stop this uh, runaway train uh, until now. But since COVID, inflation has come back in a big way. And there are lots of different reasons for that. You know, a major one, obviously, is a huge rise in the cost of energy, which actually predated the war in Ukraine. So we saw a huge rise in a lot of inputs to the economy, partly off the back of a lot more demand, a lot more consumption during COVID. People were sitting at home with nothing to do. Mm. They started buying lots of goods. Lots more stuff started being shipped across the world. And the price of everything went up and there was all this congestion. And so That kind of fed on itself because there were traffic jams. In addition, and this is probably the biggest factor because it's the main differentiating factor between economies that have had inflation problems persist and those that haven't, which is that central banks in most Western countries turned on the money taps. That is, they started printing a lot of money to stimulate the economy because they were worried that COVID would cause a huge recession This is quantitative easing, which we'd sort of heard of back in 2008 when we had the banking disaster. But I don't think many people had realised that this was happening all through COVID too, and for a little bit longer than it probably should have done. It went on until 2021. Yeah, the banks started printing money, buying bonds on a huge scale and overstimulated the economy. And the difference this time between previous times when it's done that is that 
This time, the government also turned on the spending taps. The furlough regime was the main one. In order to spend lots of money, the government had to borrow lots more. It had to issue lots of bonds to do that. And who was going to buy all those bonds? Well, the Bank of England came in and bought up most of them. And that kept borrowing costs nice and cheap for the government in order to keep spending. The Bank of England was a central bank financing government spending, which it is not meant to do. And then... The war in Ukraine breaks out and prices are going even higher. At the same time, as we come out of COVID, we suddenly have fewer people coming back to work. How is that affecting inflation? Coming out of COVID, the labour market had changed and it changed in ways that we didn't quite expect. A whole cohort of people in their 50s and 60s decided to retire early. So we lost millions of workers. At the same time, immigration had massively gone down because of COVID. There's a Brexit effect in there too, uh, in the sense that it was then not easy to replace workers. But this is also a global phenomenon. This isn't just a UK phenomenon. And then one factor that is single to the UK which still we haven't really gotten to the bottom of it, but we seem to have a lot more people off on long-term sickness than we did before the pandemic. Now, whether that's because a lot of people, their health deteriorated during COVID, they now can't get an NHS appointment, or they got COVID and they're not well again, or if they have mental health issues, we have a lot more people who are sick and not on the payroll. So you've got fewer people around to fill the jobs. That means people can ask for slightly higher wages. Exactly. Businesses are struggling to hire workers. Their only recourse really is to put up wages. Then you get into this self-perpetuating cycle, which we now see pretty clear evidence of in the UK, uh, where you have a, a wage price spiral. So, you know, because prices go up, people want wage rises, they get wage rises, then prices go up even more. And that's what the Bank of England was trying to move quite sharply to cut off last week when it raised interest rates by 0.5%. We had been told, though, by the Bank of England over the past year, you know, they've been gradually raising interest rates, but they keep saying we're near the peak of it now. We're near the peak of it now. So last week, when they went up by another half percent, it was a bit of a shock. It was. And uh, there's actually now some people worrying that the bank is going to overdo it. But I think it's worth talking actually a bit about the Bank of England and its role because they carried on stimulating the economy well after there were a lot of warnings saying that this was the wrong thing to do. And as you said, when they finally did decide that they needed to start raising interest rates, they were pretty clear that they thought this was a temporary blip. At every opportunity he could, Andrew Bailey, the governor, got up and said, this is temporary. We expect to see inflation coming down in the spring. We think inflation will fall quite sharply over the coming months, beginning with the April number. Then it was the summer. Well, we do think that inflation is going to fall quite rapidly, almost from sort of, well, from the next release onwards, which is June. Then it's, we're fairly confident it will be quite soon. We think inflation is going to come down markedly this year. And the problem was that the signal that this sent to markets, to investors, was this guy doesn't get it. And they're ah. not committed to fighting this problem. 
actually what they're going to have to do is put up rates more in the long run because they haven't been committed to this. And so you then got into a sort of circle of markets pricing things higher and higher, putting interest rates in the market going up because they thought the Bank of England was not getting it and was going to be forced to move a lot more sharply than anyone was expecting. And that's what we saw last week. The language that Andrew Bailey is now using is a lot more cautious. He's not saying things like, we now expect it to come down. He's saying we will make it come down. We'll do whatever it takes. We're not expecting, we're not desiring a recession, but we will do what is necessary to bring inflation down to target. He's trying to project strength. But at the same time, you know, we've had a huge rise in the cost of borrowing across the economy, and we haven't really seen the full effect of that come through. So there's now quite a lot of worry as to, you know, how much more of this are we going to see trickling through? And is the bank now overdoing it? Should they pause? The US Federal Reserve decided to pause this month for the first time in a year, I think. The Bank of England decided not to. It decided there's still work to do. They had some criticism earlier for not acting quick enough, and now they're acting so quickly and so dramatically that we think there is a possibility that they're overdoing it. There is. Just take us back a step for people who are constantly hearing about interest rates and inflation, but you know haven't studied economics and don't understand the link between the two. Just explain the mechanism. Explain when the bank raises interest rates, how is it hoping it'll combat inflation? When people see interest rates go up and they're expecting them to rise up further, the most marked effect for people who are paying a mortgage is that when their fixed deal ends, if they have one, which most people do, their monthly payments go up. So then they have to look at all their spending and say, what am I not going to buy that I was buying so that I can pay the mortgage? And then that has a knock-on effect on the whole economy because, say, people stop spending so much money on cars or on going out to restaurants, suddenly demand falls. Not as many people are coming out to restaurants. So then they don't have to pay as higher wages because actually they're not as busy. So then wages go down a bit. And then the waiter who maybe doesn't have a mortgage also economizes on his or her spending. And then in turn, the demand for goods goes down and then the price of goods can stop rising. And that's how inflation is meant to come down. But just going through that cycle, it, it literally does it by causing pain at every yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah, It's like throwing a wet blanket over people who are spending, over restaurants and small businesses that benefit from that spending. Everybody is going to feel the pinch. Yeah, everywhere in the chain, though, people are starting to have to make trade-offs about stuff that they were doing and wanted to do they can no longer do. Why do you think it hasn't worked so far? We have had a few rate rises over the past year. Compared to the past, a lot more people have fixed their mortgage rates, and that means it takes a lot longer for this to work through the economy. Now, that's a good thing because it means that people are protected until they can prepare or maybe rates will come down. But it does mean that monetary policy slow things down a little uh, less sharply. Coming up. Could the mortgage crisis lead to a crash in house prices? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Why is it that people are going to feel, you know, what sounds like a small amount of change in interest rates? Why are they going to feel it so dramatically? This is something that really irritates a lot of people (laughs) in my generation, is when mortgage-free, usually older people say, 5%, that's nothing, it was 15% in my day. And this is really a failure of maths, or, well, partly it's a failure of empathy, but it's a failure to look at all of the variables involved. We're at the point now where houses cost the most compared to incomes than we've ever seen in the modern age. So the average house in the UK costs nine times the average annual salary. It's the highest level it's been since 1880, i.e. it's the highest it's been in the age of mass home ownership. Now, there's big regional disparities, but back in the 70s, when a lot of the people who I referred to were taking out their mortgages and paying much, much higher rates, houses at that point cost maybe three to four times the average annual wage. So they had to borrow a lot less. So that means that it would take a much larger rise or fall in interest rates to make a big difference to their monthly outgoings. You know, given that ratio, are we in danger of seeing a housing crash. If you do start to see interest rates rising more and more, there is the threat of repossessions or people just not being able to pay. What happens to the market? Yeah, there's likely to be a very large reduction in house prices because essentially people either they can't pay their mortgage and some of them may have to move out of their houses, but also people can't buy new houses or they can't find buyers when they're trying to sell their house. Yeah, and so people they have to, can't attempt to get a mortgage when it's so high. Exactly. It's going to cause a chilling effect across the whole market. Prices are going to come down a lot. And you might think that's a good thing, and it would be a good thing for house prices to come down. But the question is, how quickly is it going to happen? And how destabilizing is it going to be? And how much are they going to come down? You know, houses are the main asset that most households have. Home ownership has been going up for, well, it went up for nearly a century, up to 2000. Most people in the country own their house that they live in. And it's their main sense of how wealthy they are. Mm. And so if that goes down hugely in value, 
then people are going to feel a lot poorer. They're going to be a lot poorer. And that could cause a big recession. It could cause a depression, ultimately. And at the extreme end of things, if house prices were really to go down, say, by 30, 40 percent, we would start to see a banking crisis as well, because all of the banks that have made loans on the basis of certain house valuations would suddenly find that they were out of the money and they were in crisis. I mean, that sounds catastrophic. I mean, this is an extreme scenario, you know. Hopefully this won't happen, obviously, and if that starts to happen, we'll see the Bank of England ease off. But it's a very tricky situation. There's a question as to how they strike the right balance. Mm. What did you make of the rate rise last week? Did you think it was the right thing for the bank to do? I think they have put themselves in a situation where they're trying to get back credibility because of many months of mistakes. So in that sense, maybe it's better to err on the side of fighting inflation hard to try and get back on top of the situation. I do think that there's a lot of pain coming and we don't yet know how that's going to play out. So it could be that it will prove to be that they've overdone it. You've been covering the city and economics for years A whole generation of people have sort of basically grown up expecting interest rates to be very, very low. Is that era just over now? Yeah, I think it is over. Probably at some point soon, interest rates will come down a bit. Hopefully, inflation will start to abate. To be honest, I didn't really think inflation was done in the last few months, partly because I've been looking a bit at other inflationary periods over the 20th century. And there are two other main inflationary periods. And in both of them, the inflation spikes seem to come in sets of three. So it will shoot up, then it will go down. Maybe people think it's ebbing and then it shoots up again. Mm. And so the commitment to fighting it will be tested again and again. And just because you've seen one peak, it doesn't mean that it's over. I mean, Rishi Sunak last week told the Time CEO Summit that it's going to be very difficult to meet his target of halving inflation. I'm very clear with people, this is the number one economic priority. It's right that we do everything we can to bring inflation down. That's why at the beginning of this year I said it was my first priority to halve inflation. Should we almost get used to living with a bit of inflation? Should we sort of stop trying to eradicate it completely or keep it sort of down to the limit that the Bank of England has at the moment? Should we think about maybe allowing a bit of it? I mean, it's where we have ended up, to be honest. Inflation is a very corrosive economic force and the poor suffer most from it. If your only other option is crashing the economy through a housing crash because essentially you've geared the economy so much onto property that you can't raise the cost of borrowing enough to combat inflation without tipping everyone into effectively into a bankruptcy and causing a depression. If that's your alternative, then yes, you're probably better off tolerating some inflation. You know, this has been 40 years in the making. It's not going to go away within the next couple of years. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, 
columnist for The Times, Juliet Samuel. And if you want to read more of Juliet's work, she writes a column every Thursday in The Times, which subscribers can read at thetimes.co.uk or you can pick up in print. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 